Good evening, everybody. We are here with our first Q&A of the fourth month. Today is April the 1st. They call it All Fools Day. <laughs> and I hope everyone who's listening believes in God, because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So we welcome you to this evening's Q&A. Pastor Vijay is out on mission in another state, and I want to introduce... This is Samir, Samir Subhash, and uh, you're not camera shy, no, sir? No, Samir? Sir. As of now. As of now, <laughs> little palpitations are there, but that will be fine. Okay, so Samir will stand in for Pastor Vijay today. We have questions, and uh, we trust God for the answers. Once again, new month has begun. This is our first service for this month. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. The fourth month is here. And our eyes are on you, Lord. We live in extremely difficult times. But, Lord, we are looking at your faithfulness. You brought us through three months, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ninety days are over. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you, Lord, in spite of everything. Truly, Father, we think, we live, we believe. We assume we are living in the last of the last days, and the enemy, the devil, has come with great wrath. And you are bringing us through one day at a time. You are bringing us through. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We come at this time and everyone into thy hands. Give us wisdom, discernment, and I pray the answers will be true to your word and to your spirit and will bring glory to your name. To that end, we surrender ourselves, Lord. Commit some here too, Lord. Bless him in your name. And I pray, Father, this his first step before the cameras in the Lord's ministry. And I pray, Father, till be a beginning of many things you have for him and his household. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Somebody was outside. Yes, sir. You have your microphone? Yes, sir. Uh, The first question is, uh, why do you think some denominations do not believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are the three separate? Are they three separate? Why do they say it is the triune? They say they are all one. It gets so confusing. Christians argue about are they the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please explain this. This has been the confusion uh, right from the beginning uh, in Christendom. And uh, you see, much of it comes because... uh, of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the revelation of even Jesus Christ is not very clear. It's a new covenant that opens up what is happening. Like the Jews uh, still do not figure out what Isaiah 53 is all about. And they're still waiting for the Messiah, even though the Messiah has come. Okay, But when you come here, you need to realize, now that we who are saved we understand it much more clearly because right from Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, Genesis 1 
and verse 1 and 2 and 3. Actually, you see the Trinity working. You will see there, in the Bible says, in the beginning, God. The Hebrew word there is Elohim. It is not a singular, it's a plural word. It's Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in verse 3, the Bible says, God said, let there be light. So now when we come to the new covenant and John chapter 1 and verse 1, we understand. We understand. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was created to Him. Later in the psalmist will say it was through his word and his spirit. So we know the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, the, the difficulty in understanding is God is spirit. God is spirit. Okay, Though he has a form, he is primarily, he is spirit. Angels have forms, but they are primarily spirit beings. God is spirit. So before the incarnation, we need to understand God the Father is spirit. God the Son is spirit. And God the Spirit is Spirit. That's where the confusion comes. Okay, that's where the confusion comes. Now, if you look at it here, we are quite a few all men sitting over here. And we are all body. Okay. And because we are all body and, and all our bodies in nature is absolutely similar, we cannot say there is only one body here. Only one body here. We, have. we are all in kind the same. Humans, we are kind of the same, but there are different bodies sitting over here. Okay? So in the same way, God the Father is spirit. Jesus is spirit. Not now. Okay? He's spirit too, but he has a body now. He went through that for our sake. So he's the firstborn among many. Today I have begotten you, the Father says. So he receives a body for our sake. And then when he rises, he receives a new glorified body. And that is the body which we are going to receive and uh, as our inheritance and the nature of the body will differ in only in terms of glory. Otherwise, it will be the kind of same, I believe. So that's where the thing comes. That's where the confusion comes. The other confusion that comes is that in John chapter 1, and uh, sorry, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, okay, when God says, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, so they... There's one set of people, they say, Holy Spirit is just power. Mm. It is just power. It is a power factor of God. But he's a person. Because the thing is that most of the confusion now in Christendom is not with the Father and the Son. It is with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, if you go through the Bible about this, okay, if you go to, especially let's look with uh, Acts, Acts chapter Okay, Acts chapter 5, okay, and verse 3. Okay, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now you need to realize, you cannot lie to a power. You can only lie to a person. You can only lie to a person, okay? Now he's not saying, why did you lie to the Spirit of the Father? In nature, the Spirit of the Father and the Holy Spirit are the same. It's talking about a person, the Holy Spirit. Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? And then if you come to verse 9, 
he says, okay, how could you agree to test the spirit of God? So the spirit of the Lord. Okay, so the, you need to understand, you can only test a person if you come to chapter 7. Okay, chapter 7. And verse 51. 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. You can only resist a person. Okay? You can only resist a person. You are resisting the Holy Spirit. If you come to the book of Ephesians, I'm just giving you a few. The book of Ephesians and verse chapter 4 and verse 30. Okay? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay? You can only grieve a person. You can only grieve a person. Okay? So now we need to understand one of the... You see, you, if you ask for a definition or try to explain the Trinity, you need to realize we will run out of words. Because you can only imagine, try to give uh, examples that are within, available to our understanding. But you know, we are trying to explain the divine, the infinite. But one of the most beautiful, easiest, simplest way of explaining the Trinity I heard when I was young, God just got saved was. When we step out, when you like, let's say midday, we step out. Like especially now, summer has begun. It's forty degrees centigrade, not Celsius. Uh, Celsius, okay, not <laughs> Fahrenheit. Forty outside Hyderabad. You can't look up. <laughs> Even otherwise, you can't look. If you look up, your eyes will go. You can't look at the sun. Your eyes will go. Okay. There are three things primarily about the sun we experience. One, there is the sun. Everybody knows, but nobody would dare to look at it other than through an X-ray film or something like that, so your eyes don't get burned up. Then, as soon as the sun rises, what we see is light. Now, we can see because there is light. Then, when we step out also, the third thing that we feel is the heat. Now, I can't see the heat. I can feel the heat. I can see the light or I can see because of the light. Somebody explained, that's the easiest way to explain. What you can't see, you don't wear it, don't look at the sun. Okay, the sun is there, don't look at it because your eyes will go. It's kind of like trying to explain. I'm not saying the sun is because we are pagans who worship the sun. We're not talking about that. The sun in itself, the actual ball of fire out there, is like a type of God the Father. The light that causes us to see is actually the God, the Son, the Word. And the heat which you feel but you cannot see is a type of the Holy Spirit. Now you cannot detach these three. <coughs> they are one, but they are three. Okay? And much of the confusion comes from that if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. The Jewish, whatever they call it in Hebrew, Shema or something, they talk about their confession. Here are Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay. This is where it comes, where the confusion goes. They say, no, there's only one God. Which is true, there's only one God. But that one God exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one in essence, they are one in unity, there is no disunity, there is nothing 
but they are three different people. Okay, if there are, they are not three different people. Jesus wouldn't say every sin will be forgiven. But one sin that will not be forgiven is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, if you say the Holy Spirit and God, the Father, are the same, then there is a confusion there. He says everything will be forgiven except this. If you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, okay, Holy Spirit, and we need to ask why is that? Why is it so stringent? Is it because he is higher, above, or more special than the Father? No, they three are the same. Philippians 2 talks about how Jesus being equal to the Father. So it is not about equality or not. But we need to understand the primary work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict. Okay. When you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you test him, you grieve him, you quench him, and ultimately he leaves. Once the Holy Spirit has left a person, then his sins cannot be forgiven because there's no more conviction for your sins. Okay, that's what God is talking about. How can I have conviction for my? How can I be forgiven of my sins if I am not first convicted of my sins? Right? You receive mercy only when you ask for mercy. But to ask for mercy, first you need to have a conviction. I need mercy. And where does the conviction come from? The conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, that he is the one who brings the conviction. That's how Jesus says on his first sermon in Luke chapter 4, uh, 16, 17, 18 or 17 and 18. I think he says that the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Okay. Yeah, he stood up to read. And uh, yeah, verse 17. And he was handed, yeah, let's go to verse 18. 18 is the one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach. Okay, so you, you need to realize Jesus is showing that. He can preach. But if he doesn't have the unction, then his words will just fall to the ground. Two, if the spirit of God does not convict, okay, convict. That's what uh, Stephen is talking to the Sanhedrin. You guys have always resisted the Holy Spirit. That even when Stephen is speaking under the un uh, unction, there is no conviction in any one of them. Because they have crossed that line where the Holy Spirit will refuse to convict people. Because if you don't want me, I will leave. So that's where it works. The Father, it's from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeds. The Son is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the power factor who brings the conviction, who brings change, who does everything. So these three are separate, yet in function they are one. Another one is go to First Corinthians chapter 12, where their function, how their work is so beautifully written there by the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul. Okay, That is First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 to 6. Now this is the ministry within the church. Okay, Now the Holy Spirit is in charge of the church. Understand, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of the church. So Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that you may have workers. He is the Lord of the church. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. And you see in Revelation 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit is the Lord. 
He is the one in charge now. He is the one who is doing everything in and through the church. The Spirit is the Lord. That's why the Spirit is mentioned first there. Okay? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, that is Jesus Christ. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all in all. That's talking about the Father. So, they are working together. Working together. Okay, but it is the spirit who is in charge now. That is why we are told, we are told that be careful about how you deal with the spirit, how you deal with the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't grieve him, don't test him, don't lie to him, don't quench him. And ultimately, if you blaspheme him, he will leave. And once he leaves, once he leaves, I mean, pictures in the old, in the New Testament, Old Testament are there. In the Old Testament, it's a completely different paradigm. They did not, they were not born of the Holy Spirit. They did not have the Holy Spirit in them. They were not sealed for their redemption. They were not. They had the Holy Spirit upon them. Okay? And the Bible will talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon people. And there are two people in the Bible. It is written, if you go to, first is in the book of Judges. If you go to the book of Judges. Okay? And that is chapter 16. Hmm? And verse 20. Okay. Then she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. The Spirit of God had departed from him. Okay. Earlier, whenever he was in a crisis, you will see the Holy Spirit will come upon him. Okay, Holy Spirit will come upon him. And okay, let's 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 go to chapter fifteen. Okay. And uh, verse fourteen. Okay, or thirteen and fourteen. Chapter fifteen, thirteen and fourteen. They spoke to him saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we surely will not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. Okay. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he broke the ropes. Okay? That's how it is happening. It comes upon you. Okay? And uh, different manifestations are here. But here, what happened is, if you go to 16, uh, 20 again, <clears throat> and 21. Okay? You will see. I will go out before as other times. It's just... Confidence, okay, you know, you can do whatever you want to do with the Holy Spirit. Whenever I want, he will come. But he did not realize. His consecration is gone. It was a secret of his strength, the seven braids. He's let out his secret to the Philistine woman. She cut his consecration off. The Holy Spirit left. And he did not know the Lord had departed from him. What happened since verse 21? Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. Why were they able to take him? Because the Holy Spirit had left. Now you come to First Samuel. Okay. First Samuel. And you come to chapter 10. Okay. Chapter 10. And this is got to do with Saul, the first king the people wanted. And this is what Samuel is saying. Okay, he's prophesying, he's telling him what will happen to him. Read verse 5 and 6. 
5 and 6. After that you shall come to the hill of God where Philistine garrison is. It will happen when you have come there to the city. You will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument to a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them and they will be prophesying. And then he says, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. That's how you will have anointed you. That's an outward thing. But you will know that the spirit of God is happening at that point. What will happen? And you will prophesy. Now, if you, if you turn to verse 10, verse 10, when they arrived at Gibeah, okay, when they came to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. Okay, among them. Now, if you come later in his life, okay, chapter 16, okay, and you come to verse 13. Now, this is, this is David. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So, Samuel arose and went to Rama. And if you look at verse 14. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. So you see that picture over there, the Spirit of the Lord leaving a man, Spirit of the Lord coming upon men. They're coming upon them. The people ask this question. If the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, how come he prophesied later? But remember, he's prophesying when he is under the under the anointing of Samuel. And that's where he lies naked and he prophesies. But the Spirit of God has left. But the gift is operating under the anointing of another person. That's all. But you will see how he ends. How he ends. Samson repents. He repents. Saul never repents. He never repents. He goes down. So we do not know the history eternal history of Saul, we will not judge, because we have to wait and see in heaven where he is, because we do not know, though a lot of people say he didn't make it, we don't know, okay, we never know, leave those secret things to God. The new covenant, it is different, unlike the old covenant, if you come to the book of Ephesians, because we need to comfort people too, so that people don't panic when they hear scripture, because scripture is our strength, okay? Verse Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. Okay. Ephesians chapter. In whom, in him you also trusted. Who is him? Jesus Christ. Okay. We trusted. What is we trusted? We are trusting in only Christ for our salvation. Nothing else. After you heard the word of truth. We heard the word of truth and we were convicted by the Holy Spirit. We cried out for mercy. I am a sinner. Have mercy on me, Lord. I believe in your son. Behold thing we believe. The gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed, once we have believed the Bible says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, We believed in Jesus and we received the Holy Spirit that was promised. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? So he is our guarantee. Like I tell, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, again, the first sermon, okay, on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, and verse 38. 
and 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, this promise is to you and your children, all or as many as the Lord will call. So the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It's our guarantee. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the old covenant, they did not have that guarantee. They did not have the guarantee. In the new covenant, we have a guarantee and the Holy Spirit. So like I said, if you are truly, truly born again, truly, truly born again, to lose your salvation is not very easy. You have to go to extremes to lose your salvation. You have to become a reprobate okay, to lose your salvation. Like you go to Acts chapter, sorry, Hebrews chapter 30 and 10 and verse 38 and 39. Okay. No, no. 10, 38 and 39. Acts, uh, Hebrews 10, 38. Okay. The just shall live by faith. Another word. See, when it's in the old covenant, you had acts of faith. Acts of faith. Primarily acts of faith. So you don't see. That's why there are these huge gaps in the history of individuals in the Bible. Because you will see, Abraham left the hour of the Chaldeans, came down to Haran, settled down, and after that, so many years just passed away. Why are these gaps? Because they are not living by faith. And you can't blame them because they cannot live by faith. Because you cannot live by faith unless you have the spirit in you. To live by faith is to live in the spirit. So you can't say, oh, Abraham did not live by faith, so why are you blaming me? But Abraham did not have the spirit in him to live by faith. Okay? That's why the Bible will say the Lord appeared to him. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. The Lord visited him and had lunch with him. But we don't need any of that because that very God who appeared to him is the one in us and we've been sealed with him. So he's in us. Okay, so the kingdom, next question will be about the kingdom. The kingdom of God there is outside, but there the kingdom of God has come in and the Lord of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit has come in, the kingdom has come in. So the New Testament, New Covenant experience is completely different from the Old Testament. That's why the Bible says even the angels look into us to learn what this is all about. Because for them it's a revelation of what the church actually is because Men and women and children have been born again of the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God within us. So the Bible says, so as you are walking by faith, if anyone draws back, how can you draw back? Outside circumstances are created by the enemy and the systems and whatever (laughs) on your own mistakes. And the Spirit of God is saying, believe, believe. He's speaking to you, okay, in different ways. But he's speaking to you from within into your spirit, say, don't don't back don't go back go forward make this decision i'm with you and he will bring scripture okay the holy spirit brings scripture and he will show us this is what you do but what happens is we draw back we draw back and the bible says my soul has no pleasure in it why because you are now not listening to my spirit you're not listening to my spirit you're born of the spirit i mean put it across this way If I am born of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit through Mary, I am born of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is my Father. He is my actual Father. The Spirit of God is my actual Father. He has fathered me. 
Okay, he has. I was born again by the Spirit. Now think about all of us sitting over here. We all think about our young days. Okay, our father tells us, especially when you are young, think about it. Your father, my father told us something, and we did not listen. Is our father pleased? Mm. Is your mother pleased with you? No. So your daddy said. Why didn't you do it? Okay, so you have to think it that way. My soul will has no pleasure in him. Okay, but if you consistently stop listening to him, then finally, you know what happens is your father says, "Okay, go your way. I'm not saying anything to you. Do whatever you want." The Bible says, "We are not of those who draw back to perdition." How far can you draw back? To perdition. Now, let me. Put that example where the, of the most beautiful example is uh, the story of the prodigal son. Remember, he's a son. He went from the house. He took his liberty. He didn't want to live by his father's words or rules. Or he didn't want. No, there is absolutely nothing wrong in the house. Everything is perfect. But he leaves. He goes. He wastes it all away. He reaches the big bed. He reaches over there. The thing is that if he doesn't Obey his conviction. Arises and does not go back to his father's house. This is a man who has drawn back all the way and is now standing at the edge of perdition. Edge of perdition. If he does not arise and go back, he will die. He will die there in perdition. Okay? So that's what we are talking about. So you have to go to that extent. <coughs> extent. Okay? And you need to realize, I'm telling you honestly, if you are listening to me now, there are people there who were actually born again, who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and who had a ministry. And then suddenly they got into something and they started believing a lie. No, I was born a lesbian. I was born a gay. And now they are identifying as a lesbian and gay which is an abomination to God, okay, abomination to God, and they don't change their lifestyle, <clears throat> and they continue like that, you know what is happening? You are standing on the edge, on the precipice. You're standing on the edge, okay? You can struggle with these things. You can struggle with, uh, if you're a man, struggle with homosexual tendencies or a woman with lesbian tendencies. And if you fall, you go back to God and say, Lord, I look into my, your word and I know the Spirit of God is convicting me. This is not who I am. This is not the I am meant to be, Lord. Deliver from me. But when you start sanctioning it, you are on the road to perdition. Lord have mercy on you. Lord have mercy on you. Because what happens is, when you sanction, when you say, no, that is accepted by God, this is the way it is, now you are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now you are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. See, as long as conviction is there, and you are reacting to conviction, even if you're falling, you rise up and go back to the Father and ask for mercy and ask for grace to overcome it, you are still on the safe side. 
a safe side. And God will deliver you and ask for you, deliver you and you will come out of it. But when you sanction anything, okay, now we'll go to the dangerous part. Go to 1 John. Okay. Chapter 5 and verse 16. To 17. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, but there is sin not leading to death. Please understand, this is one of the most dangerous and theologians have all broken their heads over it, and we will also break our heads on it. Okay. <coughs> now you need to ask, what is the sin that leads to death? The sin that leads to death is that is blasphemy. God is telling this. This is absolutely against my moral order. This is not who I am. And you are saying, by your lifestyle and sanctioning it, you are saying, this is who you are. So when people start, you know, st stand up behind pulpits and say that I am gay and God is okay with it, and you sanction gay marriages, and all those, why I'm saying this is a prevalent, this thing, okay? And transgender things and all male and female, he made them. And you have gender, all this thing, no? Now, this week, if you listen to, to the president of US, Biden, glorifying um, transgender, this thing, and saying that, that is part of America's testimony to God as the city on the hill. What? That's blasphemy. Yes. That is blasphemy. So you need to yeah, realize all these people who stand there in public forums and use the name of God and sanction this, including abortion. Mm. You need to realize when you are sanctioning it and bringing God to it and God has accepted and approved it, that's blasphemy. You are a reprobate. You are a reprobate. You are looking into perdition. Mm. You are looking into perdition. Okay, a woman under many pressures and all may have come, may have have had an abortion. Okay, and when she realizes the truth about it, she cries out. She anyway she's going through guilt. She cries out. God has mercy on her and says, "You're forgiven." But when you start going around, I show you. This is where it is dangerous. Okay, go to Romans chapter one. Okay, chapter one. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. That's the difference. How did all these things receive approval? Who approved it? system. There are people sitting over there. You see, almost all these things was not approved in the pagan East. People who are dark, who do not know the Lord, whatever it doesn't matter. It is works of darkness. They are not saved anyway. You have to go to the West, which is all Christian. Everything came from there. It is, uh, it is Christian taking the name of Christianity. And uh, judges, political leaders, 
and pulpits. And you don't bring judges and political leaders first. It was the pulpits. It was the pulpit. If the pulpit, because in America or Europe, if the pulpit had never compromised the judges and the seats of power would not have compromised. First, the pulpit was compromised. So the first ones to be judged by God will be the clergy. Will be the clergy. Not the politicians. The clergy will be... You need to talk about what God, his judgments, you have to read about his servants. He says they will be cut into pieces and thrown into outer darkness. That is not for politicians. That's for the clergy. Mm. That's for the clergy who did not take a stand for what was true and they compromised. Okay. Like, like a politician or a man on the street or a university professor or a judge saying, standing out and saying, I am gay is one thing. For a pastor to stand out or a priest to stand out and saying, I am gay and God is okay are two different things. It is not the same. It's not the same. Imagine tomorrow is Sunday. And I stand behind the pulpit and say, I want to, I want to make a declaration to my church. I have discovered I am gay and God is okay with it. Can you imagine what will happen to all of you? Because you have been taught so well, you will all leave the church. But what if you have been taught so well? Okay. This is where the Holy Spirit comes. That is where the sin that leads to death. And there are. That's why you see the Western nations dying. Why are they dying? Why are they dying? Because if you go all the churches, there are powerful churches, we are not talking about them, who have stood there for the truth, you will see abortion, homosexuality, every abomination. They are sanctioning it now. Transgender, LGBTQ, murder, Ethanasia, everything they are sanctioning it. And when they are sanctioning it, okay, what happens? You are now fighting God's spirit. That's why we believe judgment is very, very close. Very, very Now drag queens and little children, they are now moving in. Why are they setting up this whole, whole system up? Because they want the children. They want the children. They want to sanction pedophilia. Pedophilia can be easily sanctioned. You know what? All you have to do is keep changing the age of consent by law. 18, age of consent. 16, age of consent. Oh, today's kids are very, very... 14, 12, 10. Bring it down. Pedophilia becomes sanctioned. Finally, take it off. Okay. They are teaching kindergarten good kids about transgender thing, gender transition about sex, that he, what is happening? You need to realize we are at the, how long will God hand, stand us? You know about Sodom and Gomorrah, God said, you know what I have seen, I've heard, now I'm going to check it out myself. And he destroyed those cities. We are coming very, very close to the tipping point. Because now what they are doing is they are blaspheming. Political leaders from Biden to, I'm naming them because I would write over there. Pelosi is mad because the church she goes to, the, the bishop refused to give her communion mm. because of her support for the abortion. For the abortion. Okay, there's this rumor going on that the clergy, one set of clergy is pressurizing the Pope to accept homosexuality too. Okay, and this man has changed everything. The 
current Pope. So mm. you need to realize politicians, clergy, <coughs> all these people are coming together, five or six judges sitting in the Supreme Court allowed uh, gay marriage to be sanctioned. You, you see, as long as there are gay people and gay relationships going, but when they called it marriage, they removed the sanctity of marriage as ordained by God. And our government in India has, because the, the question is lying in our high court, our Supreme Court, our government submission is so powerful why homosexual marriages should not be sanctioned in India. Very powerful. And they should put their head down in shame, looking from a pagan nation, the reasons the government of India has presented to the government. This is our opinion. It should not be sanctioned. You need to realize all this is what is happening because this is where it happened. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God? Go through the Bible. Why did he destroy the generation of Noah? Why did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Why did he destroy those seven nations in Canaan? He said, do not practice the abominations of the nations I am driving. And this is all there. This is all there. And that's why we have to be very, very careful about The Holy Spirit is a real person. Once he leaves, we are done. And he's slowly lifting off, off this earth. And you can see what people <coughs> see. He, if you go again, okay, Thessalonians, go to First, uh, no, second, second Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2. And verses 1 to 6. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it is from us, as though the day of Christ has come. So the signs are being given. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. No, falling away about what? Not Gentiles, the Christians. The church is falling away. One side the church is becoming, God is slowly shifting the wheat and the tares. One side the church is becoming very, very strong. Even in America, the church is becoming very strong, a church of convictions and church which are very nominal. And you hear in the news only about dumb drag queens and gay clergy and all, but you need to set another side. <laughs> Something else is happening. The people are getting stronger and stronger. They are in the church sometimes seven days a week. They are fasting. They are praying. They are keeping themselves, pulling their kids out of public school, homeschooling. That is happening. And the current number in America of conviction, churches with conviction, the number of people is around 70 to 80 million. That's a huge number for a country with 350 million people. So one side it is getting very strong and it is not shrinking. It is actually growing. One of the reports which I read is that a few years back, church goers with convictions was 55 million. Now it's reached over 60 million. So that group is not shrinking. It is growing. So don't look at the news and think God's spirit is not doing his work. Mm. We are not seeing what he is doing. The church of conviction is not shrinking all around the world in the persecuted churches. It is growing in leaps and bounds. Okay, leaps and bounds. But on the other hand, what we see, see, is a church that is falling away. 
unless of falling away does not mean they don't leave the church the churches have changed the lutherans have changed the methodists have changed the presbyter they're all changing now it's all lgbtq agenda has got into the church and you see plastered all over the news what they don't realize is when the churches mainline churches have gone that way the people are leaving they're sitting with their buildings with hardly any people over there the people all have left and gone into other churches so we need to realize god is doing his work so there is a falling away comes and the man of sin is revealed. Who is he? The son of perdition. The man of sin is being revealed. Where is it being revealed? It is not revealed in India and China and all. It is revealed in America and Europe. The man of sin is sitting there. He is being revealed. Of course there is a man of the Antichrist who is to come. But the man of sin has a nomenclature is being revealed. There is a man who stands behind the pulpit and says, I am gay and God is okay with it. There is a woman who comes here with the clerical robes and says, I am lesbian. God is okay with it. LGBT. So the man of sin is being revealed right before our eyes. Right before our eyes, the man of sin is being revealed. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. But the other man of sin, the personification of all of which, which is the Antichrist, he will be ultimately revealed. But what is restraining him? What is rest, you know what is, rest, is restraining that he may reveal in his time. The next verse. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Who is he? That's the Holy Spirit. He's the restrainer. The Holy Spirit is still restrained. How does he restrain? He's restraining it through the believing church. Because a day will come, and I'm telling you, a day will come, when I will not be allowed to speak this thing, they will take me off. You will not be allowed to speak. I can speak to my own little gatherings, but I will not be allowed to speak anything against this agenda. If you do, they will take you off. Right now, there are two things you cannot speak against. One is elections, and the second is COVID. COVID. If you speak about these two issues, they will take you off. Because I don't speak about it. But it is going to become worse than that. This also will become, they will put it across. It will come, it will be legalized. If you speak against these things, you will be taken off YouTube, you will be taken off social media. So the ultimate idea is to prepare a set of people like, like you know, acts Chapter 2, we see the church gathered daily for the apostles' teaching. They were all, everything is okay? Have an issue with the sound? Okay. Uh, every, um, and uh, what is happening is, they gathered together, right? They gave <coughs> love together, I mean, had things in common. They were strengthened in the word, in the spirit. Then you go to Acts chapter 8 and verses 1 to 4. Okay. And Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And what happened? And go to verse 4. And therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. That is the key. When that day, if it happens in our lifetime, all of you should be able to stand on your own with your families. And never compromise. That's mm -hmm. how the church, okay? So that you have your own absolutely strong, solid convictions. And a family, two families, they get, if you're scattered, let us say Samir goes to 
Tivandrum because he is from Tivandrum. He is from Narsapur. Raj is from Narsapur. Raj goes to Narsapur. Sami goes to Lagos. Barabanu, which place I? Vishakhapatnam. Each one carries it and they are scattered. They all go. They are two families, three families. That's how the church has always survived. Because it is survived by people who refuse to compromise on fundamental convictions and beliefs. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you say the Holy Spirit is not there, how are you going to function? Mm. Where the Spirit is Lord, there is liberty. There is liberty. Understand, the work of the Holy Spirit is fundamental in the last days. Yes, the power factor is there. But along with the power factor, why do you need power without conviction? Okay. You got, you got, let us say, you know, there are millionaires in our villages. <laughs> there are millionaires. There are plenty of money. They have farms and everything and all. But before TV and all came in and before they didn't see the world, if you went to their houses and all, you would be very shocked how they lived Simple. because they have money, but they don't know what to spend on because they haven't seen anything. Right? So the Holy Spirit is power. But what is the power for? To witness a life. It is the life of Christ Jesus. And the life of Christ Jesus. Jesus is merciful. He is kind. He is compassionate to all communities. But he is not gay. He is compassionate to the sinner. And he is there to help him or her out of her lifestyle. He is compassionate to the one who has gone through abortion and is broken over it and will heal her and rescue her. But he is not compassionate to her who espouse abortion. Because children, he says, are mine. Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Fearfully and wonderfully I was knit together in my mother's womb. He says, children are mine. So you need to realize people who espouse these things are sons and daughters of perdition. And many of them, I believe, have already crossed the line. That's why you see there is no guilt, no this thing in any one of them. The big ones in India, leave India and all this country. These are, not, these are people who do not know the living God. You listen to the politicians of US and UK. Parliament passing a bill that you cannot even silently pray near abortion clinics. You saw the picture of the lady. The police comes and says, what are you doing? And she's silent. Yeah, she's saying, she's not lying, she's saying, I am praying. Now she's praying in her mind. And when she asked a question, she said, I am praying. And they arrested her because you're not allowed to pray. Think about it. This is called thought police. Okay. And what is, ultimately, you look at it, what is AI going to do? Will AI be able to actually start reading our thoughts? They already know, right? You're shopping this thing. You go into Amazon and a little later that fellow is showing you products which is according to your tastes, according to your likes. Imagine if you are, if you can be, because you see, we are all now on the grid. That's why it's good to live life off the grid. When you are all connected into the grid and you are constantly on the system, you know to realize that the system is building your database. The system will know what you are thinking after a time. And the system will mark you out. Okay, this is what Pastor James said. He is anti-LGBTQ. Yes, the agenda, not the people. Have compassion for them. Pray they will get saved and be delivered and come out and not go to hell. But the agenda... 
yes, he's anti-abortion, yes, but not for the women who under pressure or with understanding went through and goes through guilt. No, Lord, delivered them. I'm not for abortion. I'm for adoption. Adopt the babies. Don't kill it. Create a climate of life and order. So you need to understand the difference. But they have an agenda. The Antichrist has an agenda. And he wants abortion. Because every child for him is a danger. He knows scripture very well. Mm. Even we don't read scripture. He knows scripture very well. He knew that the seed of the woman was going. So he created all this havoc till Jesus. Now he knows that there's a generation that will rise. The final generation would be one of the strongest generations ever produced by the Spirit of God on earth. So kill the babies before they become a threat to him. How do you know it's an apostle? How do you know it's not a prophet? How do you know who this, what this one will turn out to be? So kill them. This girl, baby in the womb can become a mighty prayer warrior like Deborah. Arise, a mother has risen in America. Kill them off. Kill them off. That's why every male child had to be thrown into Nile because he doesn't know which one is Moses. He can't pinpoint. That only God knows. <laughs> For him, if you don't know one, the whole thing is that like in a football game, you will have five players to mark Messi because you know Messi. You will have five players to mark Ronaldo because you're Ronaldo. But imagine you go into Argentina comes and all 11 players look like Messi. <laughs> How do you mark them? So he doesn't know. So he wants to kill everyone. As far as possible, he wants to abort the babies. And if they cannot be aborted, cast them and move into the transgender lifestyle. Get them into sex. Small babies into sex. Because babies are like that. They don't know. They have no control over their senses and their passions. Open that doorway into them very early because you can destroy them. That is their whole agenda. And this is what, these are the people who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. And they are sons of perdition. And the restrainer, when he is taken away, it will be free for all. Here. Will restrainer is taken away, the church is taken away, and the Antichrist rule will be like Sodom and Gomorrah over here. God says, this is what you wanted, a life without me, I will give you seven years. Life without me on earth. You can have your God. Your flesh Body is your God and he will rule over you and you will realize what life without God is. Okay, so that's what we are coming. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and he is a real, real person who speaks, who convicts and we have to. And one of the most important lessons about the Holy Spirit is that, I will tell you personally from experience, even this today, we have to learn to be still. To be still means, can you actually stop thinking for a little while and start listening? You'll hear him speak. Hear his speech. And when he speaks, there is no confusion. He'll tell you very clearly. Tell you very clearly. We have to, that's what God says, be still. Learn to hear from him. Okay? And you don't have to worry about the world, only about yourself. Like I said, I can preach, but I can only prepare myself. I can't prepare anybody. I can only prepare myself. And to prepare myself, I have to hear, because only the Holy Spirit knows me. 
Like David says, deliver me from presumptuous sins. David says, I don't know. You search my heart and show it to me. If you don't show it to me, I wouldn't know. And that is where it is good to be still and hear and say, and says, this is, this is, this is. And when you hear, obey. Obey. That's why Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you to all truth. I have many more things to come. But he says, you can't bear it. Which is true. When Jesus was there, if he told his disciples, they wouldn't be able to bear it because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them who is the power who can help us to bear with the things, okay, things uh, which he will reveal about ourselves. We'll go into depression. But he helps because he's the father. He He's the revealer. He's the comforter. Only he can do both. Okay, and no, we never, old days, when our father or our mother spanked us, we cried, and after that they hugged us. Mm-hmm. Okay? He was the revealer of our crime, and then the comforter of our tears. <laughs> right? So only the Holy Spirit can do that. So that's how it works. Yes. Awesome. Um, Samir, yeah. The next yeah. question. I hope you got it about the Father. The Son is basically the revelation, which is the Word of God. The father is overall, ultimately the father is overall in the family. And the son is the one. He is the one who came and did the work for us. But he did it through the Holy Spirit. He is the one who lived that life. We should have lived, died that death. We should have died and rose again from the dead. And he gives us the power to be free from the penalty and the power of sin. And the Holy Spirit brings it into being. Yes. That's the second question. Uh, God is the author and creator of all, is king of all. However, the term kingdom of God or heaven in the New Testament does not refer to the overall rule of God over his entire creation. Uh, There's a continuation. Would you say it is used to refer to the specific time period on this earth, which begins when Jesus Christ comes the second time to execute judgment and reign with all authority and power? I'm trying to understand. Um, he's given reference to Second yeah. Thessalonians chapter one verses seven to ten, Psalm two uh, six to twelve, and Revelation two twenty-six to twenty-seven. Okay. Now, first, get this about the kingdom of God. Okay, kingdom of God. Let's let's go to the book of Daniel. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Okay. Chapter two. Words 20 or 19 onwards. During the night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So we need to realize there is something. God is not detached from his creation. From the beginning till today, the kingdom of God is always in control. But it doesn't intervene like that. Why doesn't it intervene? Simply because God gave us a free will. He doesn't intervene on a minute-to-minute daily basis into our lives because he has given us a free will. Okay, free will. Okay, free will you have to. If I give my son, I said, this is your room. You, this is your room. You keep it clean. 
you are to take care of your room. Then every five minutes I go and knock at the door and say, I want to see how your room is. He will say, you know, I don't want this room. <laughs> okay? So God gives us a free will. But when I give the room, I will tell him, this is the way I want to keep it. You see in my room? See in my room? This is the way I want to keep it. You can have your own ways of the, but general order is there. This is the way I want you to keep the room. Okay? So God gives us a free will and he also gives us the guidelines how we have to exercise those guidelines. And he says, if you exercise these guidelines which I am giving you, I call it life. I call it blessings. If you go against my guidelines, I call it curses. Hmm. And I call it death. <clears throat> because he says, though I have given you free will, nobody is really free. Because you can you can walk only under the laws established by God. We are free. In India, we are free. As long as we walk under the laws established by the government. I am free. So I'm going to cut through the red light and suddenly you will realize you are not free. Right? You are free only as long as when you are driving on the road. You are free if you keep to the laws, traffic rules. Right? There is a road, there are vehicles, and the government has prescribed a set of rules. If you go by the rules, you are free. You break the rules, suddenly you will realize you have lost your freedom. Okay? Lost the freedom. So now, let us say, Samir ran through the red light. Nothing happened. But two weeks later, a mail comes to his house. Okay. When he cut the light, nothing happened because there was nobody there. But the camera picked the picture. Picked the picture. Two weeks later, Chalan comes, pay your fine, 250, 1000 rupees, whatever. Okay. And when he's paying the fine, he realizes I have to put my license number. And the system says, this is your first warning. Three strikes, I think you are out for a year. In India, new laws. Okay. Depending upon you. So what happened? When you sinned, nothing happened. Two weeks later, <laughs> so you need to know the laws are there. As soon as we sin, God is not doing anything. He said you are dying. The report will come later. Later. Because laws have been established. So please never ever for a second think. 6,000 years of human history or the history before that in the universe, God's kingdom was never detached. Kingdom of heaven was never detached. Or the kingdom of heaven was never in control. Okay? Was never in control. Go back to Daniel. And you can go back to the next chapter where Nebuchadnezzar is speaking. Okay? Chapter 4. Read 1 to 3. That is after the... <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow to the statue and he sees that wonder of the fourth man. His response to the wonder of the fourth man is chapter 4. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders the most high God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom 
and his dominion is from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Our Gentile king understands. <laughs> okay? So first we need to understand. Just because God is not intervening, let us say, personally in my life, or with the abomination that is happening from the administrative point of time, point of view from the American, let us say in U.S. government and the courts, how they are sanctioning sin, or the violence against Christians in countries, including India. Okay, God is not immediately intervening. That does not mean that the kingdom of God is not in control. The kingdom of all. The kingdom of God is moving. It's moving in a space. It is logical conclusion. And one of the reasons why <coughs> the kingdom of God does not specifically intervene the way we want to intervene. See, the day the kingdom of God will intervene is called the day of the Lord. Mm. Because if it intervenes now, it is judgment. See, the issue with that day, that judgment is that on that day, everything will be judged. Everybody will be judged. Nothing will be left uncovered. So we are very selective about judgment. We say, Lord, one day intervene and stop the persecution. Lord, why don't you stop the abomination? God says, there is a day for all that, till all cease. Sit. I will allow it to go to its full. Okay. If you go to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50, where God gives us a principle over there. John, Genesis chapter 15. Okay, verse 13 onwards. He's telling to the father of Israel, the father of believers, Israel. That's Abraham, okay, the father. Verse 13 onwards, 13 to 16. He said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs will serve them. They will afflict them for 400 years. They will afflict them for how many years? 400 years. And I won't do anything. Wow. I won't do anything. Ten generations. I will tell you what you should teach to your son, your son to your sons, generation to generation. I will te- I will tell you what you should pass on. Now keep your hand over there and go to Genesis, if I'm right, 26. Okay, 26 you got. Verse 4 and 5. Now God is speaking for the first time to, if I'm right, to Isaac. Okay. I'll make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give it to your descendants all these lands in your seed to all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because, why? Abraham Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, Mm. my commandments, my statutes, my laws. So who was it given to? Abraham. Who was Abraham supposed to pass it on to? His sons. Who was they supposed to pass it on to? So what God has already taught Abraham is being passed on from generation to generation to generation. You will live in a strange land. You will be afflicted by these pagans for 400 years. But stick to you what your forefathers have taught you. Stick to that. It is going to be codified and given as a law when these people become a nation nation. Okay? First time giving it to you as a family to family, as, as a law. So, now go back to Genesis 15. So, they will be ill-treated for how many years? 400 years. Then, and also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. After 400 years, I will judge the nation. 
they won't nobody gets away with anything he says after that i will judge them and we know how egypt was judged mm. after the judgment of egypt egypt never rose again till today okay till today egypt has never risen after that okay egypt was judged by god egypt never ever became a great nation how great they were people go as tourists to see the pyramids <laughs> and their civilization but they never rose because when god brings his hand down that nation is gone they never rise again all those nations have never risen again if you have to realize okay have never and afterward they shall come out with great possessions now as for you you shall go to your fathers in peace you shall be buried at a good old age and then verse 16 in the fourth generation he says they shall return here who israel shall return here back this nation your descendants will come back to canaan for the iniquity of amorites is not yet complete he says i will allow the iniquity of the dwellers of canaan to reach what we call the tipping point it's called the tipping point you know you can balance and you keep on keep on keep on we have other words like the last straw that broke the camel's back this man is piling and piling and piling and piling the camel is standing okay because he wants to make the camel carry is only thinking his motive is only profit and then let us say a little boy puts a straw on the camel's back and the camel fell out <laughs> that is the tipping point okay so you need to realize the nations of the earth are reaching their tipping point so because god is not doing anything so not doing anything that does not mean god is detached he says i'm watching well israel is there in egypt on this side the amorites are having a good time he kept three generations of his sons there abraham isaac and jacob has a testimony i gave you three of my sons one man lived 100 years another man lived there 100 and almost 80 years another man lived another 100 years i gave you this testimony none of you have changed you saw them you saw how a stranger can come out of ur of the chaldeans with a strange god no idols nothing and he is a mighty man defeats armies his people are different the next one he digs wells he always gets water and he realized he is a mighty man his son is a mighty man you have all heard about his god but you refuse to change i will allow you to continue in your life oh. when your sin is up i will wipe you out and joshua will come they will get wiped out so you have these patterns in the bible about how the kingdom of god operates in time okay so you will see babylonian empire what happened to babylonian empire finished what happened to the medo persians these are the ones who subjugated israel gone egypt gone <laughs> okay you look at all these nations even to modern days you look at germany germany was a nation mm. that the holocaust where is germany mm. where is germany how many germans were destroyed in two world wars these two world wars affected germany more than any, any nation country. in the world any nation in the world why was germany slaughtered in their millions 
because they touched Israel. Okay, so we have to realize that is this is this is God. He says, "I will give you time." He will one side he will spank his children. On the other side, once the children are out, he will destroy the ones who did not show mercy to his children. The same is true about Israel. The same is true about the church. So those who persecute the church, it looked like God is not doing anything. God have mercy on you on that day. One day, God will judge the nations that were harmed Israel and harmed his believing church. So all those who persecute the church in India, China, any nation, just learn from Israel's history what happened to the nations that persecuted Israel. God was disciplining as a son. But after that, he destroyed those nations. The same is true. So the kingdom of God is not detached. It's happening. It's, it's, it's ongoing. It's moving. But that is why in Matthew 6 and verse 33, we are called to seek his kingdom first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are called to seek his kingdom first. You know why? Because one day, if you look at Revelation, okay, and we have to live daily in that factor, we have to factor that in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. 11 verse 15. The seventh angel sounded and there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Okay. So there are different pictures about it. Seek my kingdom. He said there is a day that is going to come. There is a day that is going to come. Okay. And when that day comes, the whole world is taken over by his kingdom. And if you go again to... Matthew, Gospel according to Matthew. This is from Jesus' own mouth. Okay, Gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 31. Sorry, chapter 25 and verse 31. 31 onwards. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. This is on earth. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Next. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's going to separate the nations. Peoples are going to be separated. He's going to come and judge. So the kingdom of God is not a figment of our imagination. It's a real thing. And God says the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom has come within us. And if you go to Romans chapter 14. Okay. Romans chapter 14. And verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. He's talking about don't get lost in the normal way of life. Whether you are poor or whether you are rich, what is common about mankind is you have to eat, you have to drink, if you have to survive. The poor man is worrying his head about how to get something to eat and drink. 
the rich man is worrying his head what all to eat and what all to drink. So there is something commonality about this. But he says, be very careful. Because this is, his, when, he, when he talked about the last days, he says, it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And what were people doing? They were eating and drinking, buying and selling. Because they were so caught in the temporal. Whether they were poor or rich, so caught in the temporal, they missed the eternal. So caught. Imagine, okay, imagine. Come here. Go. Go to Genesis 19. Chapter 1. Genesis 19, verse 1. When two angels came to Sodom in the evening, Lot was sitting at in the gate of Sodom. Now what happens in city gates? Judgment. Uh, judgment is one thing that happens at the city gate. Another thing that happens at the city gate is, that is through where all the merchandise comes in. Mm-hmm. All the tradings, everything, okay, he's taking, okay. So, this is the day of judgment. And what is Lot doing there? So caught in the temporal. Has no clue. Judgment has reached that gate and he's so busy sitting at the city gate involved in the affairs of Sodom and Gomorrah. He has no clue. Okay. He's so busy. (laughs) He's so busy. And the two (coughs) angels have come over there and he's sitting at the gate of Sodom. Okay. Why we go to Proverbs 31? Twenty-three. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. Okay? The dude has become an elder in Sodom. And he's so busy with the affairs of Sodom. Judgment is knocking at the gate and he has no clue at all. That's what God is talking about. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. He said, don't get so caught up with the temporal affairs of this world. Okay, There are a lot of things happening around the world and many of them are very temporal. If you don't bring about the kingdom of God, that's why he have to seek the kingdom. And one of the ways seeking the kingdom, he made it so clear in his prayer. What should we teach us to pray? He said, this is how you need to pray. He says, if you don't get this format clear in your prayer life, he says, you will not understand and the day will catch you unawares. What is the format? It should be about my name. If I do this, how is the name of my father glorified? How is his name glorified? How is it hallowed? Second, it is about my kingdom. Third is about my will. Give us what we need to eat and Lord, please give it. So he puts, it's very clear, this is the agenda. Bring the kingdom of my father into your daily life. Then only you will be able to actually live in the temporal and make value-based judgments. The kingdom of God. It is there in his prayer. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
don't worry about these things i will keep adding how does the kingdom come in okay small things to big things yesterday we had gt also right we had gt also we had its anniversary so that is what psalm 127 is all about is basically if you go to psalm 127 mm-hmm. 5 6 or five verses i think all together but it's all talking about god's perspective unless the lord builds a house so there is a house and there is a builder and the builder is god hands may be mine hands may be yours but the builder is god like we saw any building you will see uh, inaugurated by engineer's name the mason's names are never there but the engineer never even picked a brick never even picked the brick so we are the ones who are raising our children but god is the builder if god is not building god says you whole labor will be in vain why the children will fall apart god is the builder engineer comes and says he gives the plan everything he says this is the way you have to build and the mason he says i am the builder but you are the one who is building this is my plan how you build your house the lord guards the city okay the house is in a city okay every house like we are talking about every even in a village or a town or a, it's in a group of houses the lord has to watch over the city okay if the lord doesn't watch using illustrations which old timers understood today in the time of gunpowder and missiles and these things cities have lost its relevance we saw about city gates and city walls understood that those days that is how is a city protected people all get build the wall the city gate evening it closes morning it opens there are watchmen on the towers so he's working he says you can have all that so i need to help the walls and the gates are not built by me so the bible will says the walls are the walls of salvation walls are walls of salvation He says, "If you are not building the walls according to that, he says, 'I am not going to watch. If I am not watching, the thief will come in and out whenever he wants, steal, kill, destroy.'" God is talking about His kingdom in a very simple, practical application. Your house, your city. Be careful. You build it my way. You build it my way. I will watch and. you have to watch as i tell you to watch so there are watchmen ezekiel is a watchman and the watchman is asked to blow the trumpet and if a trumpet is uncertain you don't know what to do so the pulpit is a trumpet where the watchman is saying watch 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 your life pull it in align with god's word change your change your repent turn so that's a watchman what is a watchman doing he's watching over a spiritual thing it is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows for he gives his beloved rest he says you know what if you go into the temporal and go in the ways he says you will know it's your whole life's work will be a waste but if you do it my way he says you know what you will sleep well at night you will have rest knowing that you know what i have done things according to your word lord according to your guidance of your spirit therefore i don't have to worry i can't protect anyway you are my shield my protector but i have done according to your word i know you will be always faithful to your word 
because you have magnified your word. I can only do according to your word. That's why Elijah is staying on Mount Carmel. Whole day he gave to them. They did all their gymnastics. Nothing happened. <laughs> then he is doing according to what God has spoken. Once he's done it, he says, Lord, I have done according to your Prove word. Yourself. Now turn these people. Mm. Prove yourself. And God proves himself. Mm. Okay, That's what he's saying. And then he brings the inmates of the house and the city. The most important people in the city are the children. Because why? Every nation is only one generation away it's from destruction. That's why the alarm bells are ringing so loudly in America because they are after wholesale after the children. First kill them in the womb. If they survive, change them before they finish primary school. In Get into their minds every abomination that is being celebrated in the public. Teach them junk. Drag shows in the primary class. Drag stories. All kinds. So he says, you know what? You are just one generation away from destruction. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And earth, he says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. It's like we used yesterday's message was three. Shape, sharpen, shoot. Shape. Every child is a reed on the street. It has no shape. Every reed does not become an arrow. It has to go through a process where you have to shape it. Then you have to sharpen it. And when the time comes, you have to shoot it. It will contend with the enemies at the gate. But what is the devil trying to do is to say that you shape it in a different way altogether. It is trying to... The child needs shaping because the child was shaped in iniquity and brought forth in sin. So it has to be shaped. Okay? And... Whose job is to shape? Primarily, it is the parents, the father and the mother. They shape the children. Okay, and the shaping the children is given to primarily the three places: the parents, the church, and the school. First, the parents, because every child is born in a home or should be born in a home, and then goes to the church. Doesn't go to school goes to church. After five years goes to school. So these two are very important places. These are shaping places. This part of the kingdom of God. The home is an integral part of the kingdom of God because the next generation is being shaped. The church is a part of the kingdom of God because a generation, many generations are being shaped over there. There will be grandparents, there will be parents, there will be children. So many generations are simultaneously being shaped over there. And then these children go to school. So you have to be very careful about the school you pick for your child. Because remember, children are very, very easily impressed. Easily malleable, moldable. Because they listen to their parents, they listen to their pastors, Sunday school teachers, and they will listen to their teachers. And their minds are like sponge, they will just receive it. And that's why you have to be very, very careful. And the thing is that, that man has to be a warrior. The father has to be a warrior. Our God is a warrior and he wants fathers and mothers to be warriors. Fighting first the enemies that are after the souls of your children. That is why the most important factor in the home is the unity between the husband and the wife. Especially concerning your children. 
Kusin Malaki, that's why he hates divorce. He says, one, it is splitting two who became one. And second, he says, the children of the covenant, how it affects them. So that's where you have to look. It's all part of the kingdom. Because if you're going to put the kingdom far away as something that is going to come, no, it's already here. It's in me. It's in our home. It's in our church. And you have to be careful. That's why I gave you the example from uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 11 to 13. Okay, there is a man, a young man, who's lived under the shadow of a great man, who as a man of faith, had an encounter with God, and he saw he made a mistake, he came back to God, put it all right. But it's not having any effect on him because his heart is captivated by this world. So the Bible says, Lord chose for himself all the plain of Jordan and Lord journeyed east and they separated from each other. First in chapter 13, you hear strife. Next thing you see is separation. The devil will use strife to bring separation. So watch your life from strife. Watch your homes from strife. What's the purpose of strife? The purpose of strife is to bring separation. There was strife among his disciples to see who should be the greatest. Here is Jesus talking about the cross. And there is strife among them who should be the greatest. The devil brought strife over there. And you know, a little few hours later, they were all separated from him. They forsook him and they ran away. But how did he do that? He injected strife. And you will see, the, the strife between Barnabas and Paul was so intense that they separated. So we have to be very, very careful about it. Because the devil knows the power of the kingdom and the power of shared beliefs and unity that should come from shared beliefs. So the Bible says, they separated. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And look at verse 13. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. You know what happened? Lot only saw the land. He didn't see the people. Mm. It doesn't matter how wonderful the land looks. It is only as good as the people. Yes. So when people tell me, I want to go to U.S. I said, why do you want to go to U.S.? What's the purpose? I want to go to Canada. I want to go to U.S. <laughs> why do you want to go there? You're seeing the land. You're not seeing the people. Do you know you will lose your children there? If, the, if your children are small and you put them in public schools, you will lose them. You're gone. You're seeing the land. You're not seeing the people. What do you see? That's what God is talking about. This is fundamentals. So you know what? He saw the land. He didn't see the people because where you look is where you aim. You aim your children. One day the children will be released. The problem was that Lot looked at Sodom, went in that direction. The children grew up in Sodom and Gomorrah. And what is the end of Lot's story? His children were swallowed by Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what the daughters will do to him. So he lost his next generation. His next generation is gone. Later God will wipe out Ammon and Moab. Will be wiped out. Why? Because this man entered into the promised land. 
but he was caught away with the temporal. He did not factor the kingdom of God. But do you know how verse 14 looks? 14 is so different. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him. So this is where you have to. Because in Corinthians, Paul will say, there should be strife or dissensions among you. Then only you will know who is uproot. Yes. So mm. all strife is not bad. <coughs> oh, I want to have peace always. That means you have no convictions. Because if you have convictions, you will have conflict. Two opposite ideas cannot live together. Absolutely. Okay? A Republican husband and a Democrat wife <laughs> will not live together too long. <laughs> Old as you could, because Democrats were also godly. Now I tell it openly and plainly, if you are actually a practicing Democrat, you are not a Christian. That doesn't mean if you are a practicing Republican, you are a Christian, but you have better chances of being a Christian. You cannot be a Democrat and a Christian anymore. It is not possible Oxymoron. because their agenda is very clear now. Mm. They are absolutely anti-God, the living God. So you cannot be a Democrat and a Christian. You cannot say, I'm a Democrat, I'm saved. If you are saved, get out. Get out of that party. Mm. Say that even if I want. I won't. I don't like either of them. I will not vote. That is better than going with them because it's so very clear. You cannot have conflicting opinions and not have strife. So you will have strife and then after that, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lord had separated from him. So you know who are uproot. Who are those who are uproot? You are, to them who God continues speaking after separation are the ones who are uproot. Look here. Go to John chapter 11 and verse 31. John 11, 31. No, no, 13, 13, 13, 13. Yeah, 13, 31, not 11, 13, 31. Now when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. Who had gone out? Judas. Judas. Yes. There's a separation. After that separation takes place, you will see who is approved. The other 11 are approved. To them he gives all the fundamental teachings on which the church is built on. After Judas had left, and from 11, sorry, 13, 31, 14, 50, 60, you take it away, you have no doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The entire work of the church that is going to be done by the Holy Spirit is from there. So you will know who is approved. So you will have in Genesis, uh, Acts 13 or 14 of you, I'm not exactly sure, where there's a separation between Saul and Barnabas. Right? Do you hear about Barnabas after that? That doesn't mean he's discarded. But you know who is approved. Been approved. Okay, so we have to see. This is what God is talking about. That is what. You have one. Parents have to be warriors. You have to aim right. You have to secure your children. Why? This is about the kingdom. So you, if you go back to the kingdom, if you relegate that question, if you go back to the question, if you relegate to the kingdom about passing to a specific time period or not, yes, that is there. That is what we call the millennium kingdom. A thousand years of Jesus' reign. That is when, visibly, he will come down to earth and rule with his angels or saints. Angels, Jesus says saints. Jude says, 
That is the millennium kingdom. That does not mean for the first 6,000 years God is not involved at all. No, the kingdom has always been working. It's always been working. Okay, When he comes a second time, yes, he will execute judgment, reign with all authority. But that also is only for a season, a thousand years. We go to Genesis, sorry, First Corinthians chapter 15 now. Okay, chapter 15. God, chapter 15? Okay. Read from verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so even in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. And then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to the God the Father, when he has put an end to all rule, all authority and power. So ultimately, the kingdom will be handed over to the Father. Father. Jesus will rule, millennial kingdom, he will rule. And after that, Satan will be released, there will be a battle, he will destroy, the judgment will take place. After all judgment, that is the end of Revelation 20. Judgment is all over. In chapter 21 it begins. The kingdom is handed over to the Father. Now the Father comes and he dwells with his children. But now the Father is ruling. The Son is ruling. The Spirit is ruling. The overcomers are ruling. But at the top of the pyramid is the Father. The Son has handed the kingdom over to the Father. And it's their kingdom. God is ruling. <laughs> Son is ruling. Spirit is ruling. And you've got Revelation chapter 22. And verse 5. Revelation 22. Let's read verse 3. Verse 3 onwards. So you'll get the whole picture. Okay. Or less. The final question for today, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's go to read from verse 1. I love reading Revelation 21, 22. It keeps me happy. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. You know where the river of life is? It's all pictures. It's the Spirit of God. <laughs> where is it flowing from? From the throne of God and the throne of the Father. Okay, the throne of the Father at the throne of the Son of the Lamb. Three. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. When you read Ezekiel's vision, you will understand. It's talking about the Holy Spirit saying, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the yes. nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, no need of lamb, no light of the sun, for the Lord gives them light, and they shall reign. So there is a throne. Throne is connected with reigning. The throne of the Father, he reigns. The throne of the Son, he reigns. And his servants are also reigning. Are also reigning. Who are they reigning over is the question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Then, you will realize there is earth also. The city is there. There is earth also. You go to Revelation 21. Okay. 
There is earth also there. Go to 21 and verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its Lamb. And verse 24. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. So there is an earth too. Mm. An earth too. The new earth. It's full of people. Presumption. The old covenant saints live in earth. Old covenant. The whole earth is given to Israel. The old covenant saints live on earth. And among them also, who were overcame are the kings, the nations, and the city is the bride of Christ. Okay? City is the bride of Christ. So there are all covenant saints, there's a bride of Christ, and there are the other saints who are not overcomers. Do you know about the Lamb's Supper? Okay. Go oh, that's in Revelation 19. Okay. Go to Revelation 19 and read from verse 6 mm. to 9. As I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters as the sound of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So there's a marriage. There's a bridegroom, a husband and his wife. His wife has made her herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So there's a group of saints which becomes the bride. Then he said to them, right, blessed are those who are called so these are the invitees. This is not the bride. Mm. <laughs> so everybody doesn't become the bride. Okay. The standard to be the bride is completely different. The standard to be saved is very low. The standard to be saved is very low. Believe. Standard to be the bride, to be the bride is completely different. They are the overcomers. So honestly, do I mean you look at somebody, let's take an Old New Testament, let's take an Old Testament saint called Enoch, a New Testament saint like Paul. Will any one of us put ourselves in that category? No. Then how do we assume we will become the bride? Okay. So don't panic over it, even if we are invited only for the supper. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I did not go to the wrong place. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so the we see salvation is entirely the work of God. Okay, to be the bride of Christ is almost entirely on you. You making use of what God has, but it's on you. Okay, work out your salvation with fear, and it's in you, on you. Salvation, you can't do nothing about it. It's all on God. You believe and receive by faith, appropriate the work of Christ. But post that, the honest is on us. Okay? Honest is on us. It is not on God. God will teach. Spirit is there. But he says, you have to ask. 
you have to apply it. That's why they are overcomers. They are overcomers. He who overcomes, he who overcomes. So that's all part of the kingdom teaching. So that's what Jesus said. Go and preach the kingdom of God. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. And one day when the kingdom comes, you may not like the different hierarchies in a system and wants this to be a communist system, but communist systems have never worked, never has it worked, because automatically in the communist system there is a hierarchy. Yes. <laughs> There's a hierarchy, yes. right? It's a hierarchy and they need enormous power to keep the hierarchy in power and anybody they will kill you and they will destroy you. So ultimately they fought against the bourgeois and there's a bourgeois system in the communist and all are slaves in the communist system. So you don't like the capitalistic hierarchical system, but you know you're going to move into a system like that. Mm. You're going to move into a system like that. But everybody will, there will be no resentment, no envy, nothing. People will realize, you know what? This was fair. It was just. This was first. Because you realize, yes, each one of them, during their time on earth, post-salvation, made use of their time, their talent, and their treasures for the king and for the kingdom. And sanctify themselves and allowing God to work through them. And based on that, each one is receiving their rewards. No impartiality, perfect righteousness. Everybody is able to see it clearly. Therefore, there will be no. Of course, there will be regret. It's written over there. Go to Epistle of John. 1 John. Read from chapter uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 onwards. 26 to 28. I'm writing these things. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. As soon as you are saved, the devil comes to deceive you, to steal your crown. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone teach you. But the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And it and is true. And it's not a lie. Just as has taught you, you will abide in him. That's the whole thing. We have, to, we have to abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him. And when he af- appears, we may have confidence, confidence and not be before him at his coming. He's talking to children. So a lot of children are going to be absolutely be ashamed when he comes. Because they realize they are children. These are not people who are not <coughs> saved. These are people who are saved. But when he comes, they'll be absolutely ashamed. Because like light, like light, no, shows everything. His appearance is is light. By the glory of his light, he will destroy the enemy. But the glory of his light will make everything evident. And we will be ashamed. It's all part of kingdom teaching. Okay, so don't separate kingdom has something. Yes, there is a millennium specific thousand year period. But from the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The kingdom of God is operating. The angels are created. Then what all other things are there, we do not know. People talk about the gap theory. Then the rebellion, the kingdom of God immediately manifested. Satan and his hosts are thrown out. And then it's continuing. It will continue for 7,000 years. After 7,000 years, 
is eternity actually beginning. That is when Jesus will hand the kingdom over to the Father. And Revelation 21 and 22 is talking about that. In between is a thousand years when Jesus will come and show us how man should have lived, how man should have taken care of the earth which was given to him as a steward. He will show us in thousand years of peace. But sin is still not. People will not change. So he has to destroy most of the people at the end. People will live very long those years when Jesus is ruling. Youngest will be 100 years old. Nobody will die, no premature death, nothing like mm. that. People will all live. It's all written in Isaiah. So that's the teaching about the kingdom. Yes, Shamir? Yes, Pastor. Pastor, we were actually answered, I think, question three also as part of the second question. Yeah, yeah. What was question? The, the millennial kingdom. Mm. Yeah. On the earth has a beginning and an end. It will begin at the sounding of the seventh, end by turning in the beginning, revelation. Then the end, yes. That's the end of the millennial kingdom. And that's what Corinthians is talking about. He will hand the kingdom. When all his enemies have been put under his feet, he will have destroyed every rule, power, Satan, completely dismantled everything on earth. In the second realm, everything has been dismantled. And he will judge them. That is how... Uh, what you call Revelation 20 ends. That is the end of the millennium. Revelation 20, if you go to Revelation 20, okay, verses 11 to 50 is the end of the seventh millennium. I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no, and there was found no place for them. Now he's sitting on his seat. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and head is delivered of the dead who were in them. They were judged, each one according to his work. So there is one general resurrection. Everybody will rise back. Everybody is standing before God. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay. Before that, just before that, you will see before they are thrown, you go to verse 7. 7 to 10. What happens in the lake of fire is written there between 7 to 10. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went upon the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast in. If you look at this set of people, did you see that? There is no judgment for them like this. They are immediately destroyed Street. because they have lived under the visible reign of Jesus Christ. Like when Satan sinned, there was no mercy for him. Because that is why to live by faith is a blessing. <laughs> to live by sight is a terrible thing because Satan lived by sight. He could see God. He could see God's kingdom. So when he sinned, he was destroyed immediately. Cast out. You know, destroyed, cast out immediately. These people living in the millennium reign who are living under the visible reign of Jesus and the saints, when they turn again, Jesus, God divorced them immediately. 
They, do, they have no judgment. They are devoured by fire immediately. And see what happens. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is the place where, at the end of Revelation 20, all whose names are not in the Lamb's book of life are thrown. Not that everybody's punishment, even if they go to the fire forever and ever, is the same. It will be in categories because God is just. Though you may they be forever and ever. Like we know, prisons are not rigorous punishment. Imprisonment, Imprisonment is there. Mm. Life is there. Solitary is there. So people are thrown into the lake of fire also. Like all fire, the temperature is not the same. The suffering is not the same. So those ones who are thrown into the hottest part are the ones... We mentioned in the beginning the ones who approve of all these things who are causing these little ones. In Luke, Luke 17, we'll go there, Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 17, 1. To three. He said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. He's talking very seriously. He says, God's heart for the children are different. He says, these wicked ones, evil ones, sitting in power, those who have been given power. See, when you sit, in a judge's seat, you have been given power. Mm. When you have been elected to the Senate or the Congress <coughs> or the presidency, we're talking in terms of U.S., okay, because that's a Christian nation. Even you have a seat, you have been given power. And when you change the laws which will cause these little ones to be killed through abortion or to be perpetually destroyed through transgender ideology mm. and the chemical castration and introducing homosexual thing, he says, you know what? He said, it have been better for you. You had committed suicide before you did these things. Oh. You don't know what your judgment is going to be on that day because of what you did to my little children. You didn't give them a chance. People don't know that is why they are sitting there in the rooftops and shouting abomination from the White House to the halls of Congress to the court system. They don't know what is coming. So we don't have to worry about Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And when the day of judgment comes, all the people who said, Lord, where are you? Where is your righteousness? They will know where he is and what his righteousness is. And the worst, worst judgment will be for pastors will be for pastors. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The ones who perverted the righteousness of God. Let me see if I can find it. Matthew 24, Pastor. Matthew 24. 51, last, last verse. I don't know if that's the... Okay, Matthew 24, 40, from verse 45, 45 onwards. Okay? 45 onwards. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? when his master made him ruler over his household to give them food in due season. That is a pastor. He's a pastor, a priest, pastor, whatever term you want, overseer, elder, whatever. What is his job? 
to feed God's people the truths of God's word so they will learn to grow in faith, in righteousness, walk in the spirit. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Either when death approaches or when the Lord comes, he sees his servant has been faithful, small church, village church, mega church, it does not matter. His teaching, his congregation, the food of God, the word of God, consistently teaching the error and the truth so that people grow. I assuredly tell you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. Then comes the warning. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and drink with the drunkards. You have to look at it, what he's talking about in context. This is a pastor who is a wicked man. He says, ah, where is he coming? He's not going to come and all. And he goes into with the drunkards. The dissipation. He goes into there. And what is he doing? He is cursing all the ones who are teaching the truth. Saying that they are very narrow-minded, they are bigods, they are homophobes, they are transphobes, they are this thing and all. God is not like that. God is a God of love. We have to accept everybody. So his hand, he causes the little ones to fall away because he is the one who is empowering the court and the justice system. See, as long as the pulpits were strong, the laws of the land were very strong. When the pulpit starts compromising, the law started changing. Law started changing. So always the power was from the pulpit. If you have doubts, go to Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. We say Hosea. English, they say Hosea. Okay, 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest. So the issue was with the priest. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. The issue was never with the others. The issue was with the priest. Issue was with the priest. You see, as long as Samuel was there, the kings were afraid. Right? So when he came to Bethlehem, everybody trembled. He was absolutely fearless and he said, God will remove the kingdom from you. So the, he was a priest. He was there. The priests were the ones through whom the people had to receive the knowledge of God. Today we use the term pastor, shepherds. They have to receive the knowledge of God. Because if you look at the history of America, history of America, whichever community you were in, leaving the American Indians, the Red Indians, if you look at all the others who came in, it doesn't matter what strata of society you were in. Let us say before emancipation, whether you were a slave or whether you were a slave owner or whether you were a congressman or president, everybody went to church. Mm, yes. Sundays, everything was shut down. Sunday was closed. Nothing was open. Everybody went to church. That was it. So the, the congressman is sitting in church the senator is sitting in church and the priest is pre-fearlessly preaching. So the value system is determined by the pulpit, by the word of God and by the man of God. Mm. So they went back with convictions and the laws of the land were framed accordingly and upheld. The court system, everything was separate. 
if I don't know my sins. And I will not know my sins if the Holy Spirit doesn't convict me of my sins. That's why the Holy Spirit is important. Understand, he is the person. You see, you take a test report and you go give it to the doctor. The doctor looks at you, watching his face. And he says, ah, no problem, we are happy. He looks very serious. Maybe he's wondering, what is he going to say now? <laughs> right? The report is there. Okay, The pastor can come and preach for two hours, but the Holy Spirit doesn't convict. Mm. You will think you are okay when you are not okay. okay? If we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So two things are brought over there. What is that? Fellowship. See, Bible, if you read it, it's not very com- very complicated. It's very simple. The simplicity of the gospel. How does a man or a woman or a child prepare for the coming of the Lord? First, keep your life very simple. Don't go all over the place. Your home, your church, and your workplace. Mm. You, your home, your church, your workplace. That is the parameters. First you, see that you have fellowship with God. See that you have real, genuine fellowship in your home. Two, you have fellowship in your church. You can't intimately fellowship with anybody, mm-hmm. but you should not have any issue with anybody where you won't talk to somebody. That is a major issue. Mm. Like I said, no, God put your nose and your armpit at a distance, but that doesn't mean they don't recognize each other. The nose is the first one to recognize the armpit. They don't fellowship, but they recognize each other. So be very, very careful. You may have differences with a brother or a sister in the church, but if you will never talk to that brother or sister in the church, you have a major issue. You have a major issue. Okay, you have a major issue. That's like I say, we can always agree to disagree on issues. We don't have to agree on everything else. Okay, so please understand. That is why these things are important. One is fellowship. With God, you. Sin with God and you. Then two, you and your family. And you and your church. And be friendly if you are believers. Of course, it's easier to relate to a believer in your workplace than with be very careful with these two things. Fellowship and sin. You deal with that on the day when he comes. You don't have to be ashamed. For that, God has given us one. The word of God, the spirit of God, the church where there is Preachers, the apostles' doctrine, the practical laboratory, which is called fellowship. You know, if you go back and we'll close with that verses, how the first century church began. It's so powerful. Okay, you have to their context and apply it to as it is possible in our own context. Verse forty-two to forty-five. Acts two, verse forty-two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Why? They realized they have entered the kingdom and the kingdom has entered into them. So they need to know how to live in the kingdom under the king. And fellowship. Fellowship is in it because you are one family. So fellowship. 
in the breaking of God. They are consciously, constantly judging themselves and in prayer. Okay. Then, fear came upon every soul. You see, first century church was ready for rapture. Fear came upon every soul. I asked you that question, no? When you think about the coming of the Lord is very close, isn't there a fear? <laughs> fear came upon everyone. It was not going to happen in their time or for another 2,000 years, but they were rapture ready. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now is verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Things in common. So we need to understand. What is happening over here? God through the word and the spirit has forged a unity in them. There is fellowship and there is no sin. They're dealing daily. Not that there is God is showing, but there is they have become a family. And they're rapture ready. They're rapture ready. That's the format God has put over there. You know, we are a family, hundred plus people. We are one family. Should be no conflicts. Okay. Yes, you can have little, little, your own, which you, common things where you fellowship more than with the others. Perfectly fine. Jesus had his own groups. He had three of them, which he took with himself. And then he had the other secondary group. Then he had another group of 70. All that. That's all fine. But it was still one family. Family. Okay. And the same way, you can have your own little, little groups in your church. That's fine. As long as it's not creating strife between groups, no, that is not allowed. You can have, no, because there are commonalities. God, no, like, like, when Samir or Reni comes, uh, with Samir I never try because his Malayalam is terrible. But with Reni I still try. Joba was better, but now only two are left to whom I can speak Malayalam. And with Joanna and Aman, every Sunday when I will try to speak a little Malayalam to that. Because you know what is something? You're all believers, but that's my tongue. And who is there to speak the tongue to? Is to them. Okay? So that doesn't mean we are one click or anything. No, we are not. Okay? So in the same way, when you speak Telugu, it's, I don't understand. That doesn't make, you are not part of me and I'm not. No, it is not. So that will be there. Food will be there. Okay, like certain things, if I want, I know I can text Reni and it will come. Because she's the only one who can make it. Mm. Okay, now that doesn't mean, oh, I will never ask any of the other sisters to cook for me. No, there are stuff which they can make, which I may be palatable to me. So you need to realize you can have your own because our backgrounds from which we came also are commonalities are there. And one is language. It's a huge thing. Language is a huge thing. Now, we from different backgrounds are able to be one church because the language we use is English. Tomorrow onwards, if it is going to be only Telugu, quite a few will leave because they cannot follow Telugu. Mm-hmm. The commonality is Telugu. Sorry, English. Okay, so language. And in that English-speaking church or service church, we have people from different states. People who speak Hindi, People who speak Telugu, people who speak Tamil, people who speak Kannada, people who speak Tamil, different groups are there. But if five Tamilians get together and speak in the church, that's a commonality. Two Malus, that's a commonality. But they shouldn't become politics because there are no politics in the church. So you have to deal what happened with them. You see, they dealt with 
two major things in the church. One is with sin and one is with fellowship and they were one. And God was able to do amazing things among them. A very powerful church. And you know what? That church is ready. Church is ready. They are rapture ready. They lived as one big family under God. And the apostles were there as the elders. That's what Bible is talking about. So the kingdom of reality has to be practiced on earth. It's a practice. No? We talk about the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. But in practicality, what does Paul says? God is the father and the family in heaven and on earth. He has a family. So the kingdom of God is ultimately a family. Like we talk about African Sahara. But do we really spend time on that? You know what? For every 2.8 square kilometer, there is only one man in Sahara. The landmass of African Sahara is bigger than US. There are no people. But there are people there. Okay. The land has no meaning without people. The land gets its meaning from the people. So when you're talking about the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? It's a family. It's a family. And who is the father? God is the father. That's what we see in Revelation. So you have to see the kingdom. And God says, to the best of your possibility, through the power of my word and my spirit, replicate it in your own homes and in your own church. Let it be my family on earth. That's what happened there. What was God able to do? The same chapter says God was able to keep on adding to that family those who were being saved. He couldn't add. And then into that family, two members of the family brought an issue. Stupid issue. Stupid issue. And an essence of the Spirit of God immediately interrupted. Both died. More fear, great fear. Now it is not fear. Great fear came upon the whole church. This is a family. God is holy. God is righteous. Don't tamper with that family atmosphere. Don't bring competition, rivalry, jealousy and all in. That is not nice in a family. And we know. We were now. He has two children. Some uh, Raja has only one. So when you have more than one child, if there is jealousy and rivalry among the children, parents don't like it. It messes. Why are you jealous of your own sister? Why are you jealous of your own brother? What is this? It's not nice. No, it's not nice. It's not right. No, that's what happened. They were. They wanted a position, and they they lied. God intervened. These things don't work in a family. God is just. God is fair. His own season, He will lift up people, and He will place them in positions. You don't have to do this in this home. No politics in my home. God intervened. That's how we look at it. The kingdom of God is in me, among us, and seek first the kingdom of God. And you will realize we can be ready for rapture. Or else, capture. <laughs> Those are called the tribulation saints. That is also there in the Bible. There were numbers which could not be counted. <coughs> they had come through the tribulation. Those saints are also there. Only thing I will tell you is this. If you are the last generation, be prepared for either. Meaning, your conviction should be so strong, you miss rapture, you are ready to die and not succumb to the Antichrist. One of the two things. Your conviction should be so strong 
that when rapture takes place and you realize, I did not meet God's standard. I tell you there is a standard. That is Luke 21, 26. If I'm right, that is the standard. Okay. People will say everybody, okay. Uh, 36. 21, 26, 26, let me give it to you. Yes, 36. Watch therefore, watch carefully therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Counted worthy. Okay? So if you apply it to the last days, you have to be counted worthy. But you miss that, your conviction should be so strong that you will choose to die and not take the mark. By then you will know. If you miss it, you miss it. Like I told you, there are churches who are preparing for this. In their homes, they say, the members of their homes, there are pamphlets, books, all kept and ready for those who are missing rapture. How to prepare for tribulation after we are gone. They leave it behind so that they will know. If parents leave it for their own children who are not listening. If that happens and we are gone, you come home, we are not here. Here is what we've been telling you. This is how you prepare for tribulation. Don't take up the sign. Believe now and die. There are people who are watching <laughs> very carefully everything that is happening and preparing themselves. To be counted worthy to be taken and to prepare the ones who will not be taken. But we don't have to worry. Just prepare. Amen. Amen. Sami, do you want to close in prayer? <laughs> Go ahead. Close in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you today, God Father, for the word. Thank you, Lord Father, for speaking to us. Thank you, God, that uh, for the questions of God that uh, brought out these answers so that we could understand better, we could have more clearer picture of, Father, of what is the kingdom like and what is expected of us, oh God Father. I pray that, Lord, that all those who had questions, oh God Father, and uh, were looking for an answer, I pray that the answer would meet their need, oh God Father. We just want to thank you, Lord. We pray for a good night's rest to God, Father. We pray that we will be prepared for tomorrow, uh, Lord. And uh, we look forward to Father tomorrow, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.